to the Movie Machine Podcast, where I have three distinguished Hollywood professionals with me who are going to make a movie with me based on a random prompt. Today we have Kamara, our writer. She was the uh, second unit director of Babe, Pig in the City, so she cut her teeth under George Miller. She basically filmed all all of the non-pig scenes, Mm. so the ones no one cared about, but they're important nonetheless. And then we have our uh, uh, director, Ben, who was the uh, Tutu uh, Wrangler on Mr. Mom with uh, Hulk Hogan. Very distinguished. Wasn't a great movie, but the Tutus always looked perfect. Bravo, bravo. Then we have our producer, Bob Alberti, who was the guy who greenlit. Sorry about this, guys. The uh, Netflix Adam Sandler relationship, ridiculous the Ridiculous Six, and all other subsequent movies. He's now making amends for that. I but stand behind it. Very well. So uh, there we have it. We have our prompt today. Going to our writer today. The theme of our story is an allegorical thriller. The main characters are a biased exorcist and a nostalgic airline pilot. And the start of the story is critical injury. And the end of the story is discovery. You need me to repeat any of that? Go right ahead. So you have an allegorical thriller. Mm-hmm. Your characters are a biased exorcist and a nostalgic airline pilot. Okay. Critical injury and discovery. Kyle, I, I'm so happy to be here with you. I just want to say thank you. I literally squealed in delight when I heard I was going to be working with you this week. So I just want to put that out there. Uh, I'm just the marketing department. You guys make the movie. <laughs> Got it. Um... Uh, so an allegorical thriller with, <laughs> with a biased exorcist. You know, this, this, this story is very close to my uh, heart. I, I spent a lot of time when I was in between um, a waitressing job and, and training at Upright Citizens Brigade. You know, weight training, not actual improv comedy. Um, I used to do it behind their building in New York. It, just, it was a really good space for me, you know what I mean? Um, so I wrote it in between that time and it just, you know, my, my mother is a biased exorcist, you know, and I know that I'm uh, kind of bold for saying that out loud, but I just, it's, it's a story I feel needs to be told. She only performs exorcism on people in the deep South. And that's just, that's where her heart is. You know, she's a tough single working mom, you know, and I base this character off her. Uh, she's highly talented in the exorcism field, but she just doesn't get taken seriously, you know? Yeah, so this story was very close to my heart when I wrote it. Um, what was the second character supposed to a be? A nostalgic airline pilot. A nostalgic pilot. airline pilot. <laughs> yeah, the nostalgic airline pilot. Yeah, you know, when we, when we talk about highly influential people in the world that just don't get any notice, I think airline pilot, you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're on the planes, they're giving you 
they're giving you your water, they're dealing with people screaming sometimes all the way from New York to Abu Dhabi. It's happened. And, you know, it, it, there was this one really inspiring airline pilot that I had on that long 14-hour flight who was just, you know, a total I Love Lucy fan into old Star Trek, knew everything about Gene Roddenberry. I mean, she was talking about the lieutenant, you know? And that's not something a lot of people know about. You know, one of Gene Roddenberry's, like, first big deal, sink your teeth into hits before even Star Trek. So, uh, yeah, she just really struck me. And so just, I, I just said to myself after I met her, you know, putting these two characters in the, in the same field together and having them, you know, meet... Uh, you know, this woman flying down south to perform an exorcism. She runs into this nostalgic airline pilot, and they have a lot in common. And allegories, everybody loves a good allegory. I mean, am I right? But I wasn't thinking about everyone when I wrote it. Just putting that out there. I was thinking about the people. And that, that's what this, the heart of this script is, is the people. Okay. Uh, you have a title for your film, your allegorical thriller? On the Way Down. On the Way Down. So Ben, our director, uh -huh. you have this script handed to you on the way down. Uh -huh. It's a, a allegorical thriller. We're not sure where the thrill is yet, but it's about a pilot. Don't you worry oh, about that. The ben, plane crashes. The plane, oh, that's the critical injury at the yeah. beginning. Do they die? No, they don't die. Okay. So about a couple plane crash survivors headed south for an exorcism. So what's your take how do you make this movie happen what's your vision on on the way down all right so what i like about this is um this is really a story about um independent ladies surviving in a man's world you know like because obviously you know people don't take women exorcists seriously mm. especially in the deep south you know so i think um you know i think that's a very nice contrast where you know and uh airline pilots i mean i don't know what that is but there probably aren't that many of those. Those fly planes. Yeah. You said you didn't know what they were. I'm no, I meant like how I. <laughs> you know what I mean. Okay. Anyway. So I think. Um, so we start out, I think. Um, they have wings and engines. I, I know what planes are. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we, I think, uh, really focus on, you know, the airline pilot's failure at the beginning kind of can parallel the exorcist's uh, feeling of, um, or worrying about failing, you know? Mm. You gotta do these exorcisms. Uh, I think we don't go into too much about why she's biased about uh, being the Deep South, you know? So I'm thinking we can sort of work that into the story somehow, maybe like, you know, she feels, she's afraid of failing, you know, so she sticks in the South because that's where, you know, more exorcisms are successful, because you know, in the South, they'll believe that an exorcism works more than other places. Yeah. Also, people are getting possessed left and right down there. Yeah. I mean, just look at the news. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that kind of thing, you know, just sort of that someone who's completely failed because, you know, as an airline pilot, your one job is to not crash a plane. Uh, she does that right away, so she has nothing to lose. And now you have the exorcist who has everything to lose. So, you know, they kind of learn from each other. Uh, she gets fired, obviously, so I guess she just wants to hang out with, uh, with the exorcist, like, find a new lease on life, you know? Uh, maybe she could even feel like maybe she has a demon inside, you know? Mm. Uh, casting. Um, uh, airline pilot, uh, I don't know, lady from, uh, uh, the new Star Trek movie, played Uhura. Oh, so, yeah. yeah so you know, she's well-known-ish. I mean, she's usually in, 
of various colors of makeup playing a green or blue alien, but, you know, she can play something else, and, uh, I don't know, um... She's the pilot? Yeah, and, uh, who... I don't know, that, that girl who was in The Exorcist as the little girl, I don't know what she's up to right now. I think that'd be a nice little, uh, thing to bring her back, you know, try to see if we can get her career back on. Mm. Um, so I think they play together pretty well. Also, I want actual ghosts in the story. <laughs> okay. All right, so, Bob, our producer, you've been handed On the Way Down, starring Zoe Saldana, and the girl who was possessed in Exorcist, whose name we'll figure out later. We'll just call her Peace no, no, Soup Girl all, for now. All, no, we all know. Oh, that one. Okay. Sorry. Pete, we'll call her Peace Soup Girl for now. Right. Um, on the Way Down, starring Peace Soup Girl and Zoe Saldana, and it has actual ghosts. So, how do you see this movie making money, and what's your budget? Well, normally ghosts would be a problem, but we have a bunch of them waiting around to see if Ghostbusters 2 gets greenlit. And so actually pulling in some ghosts isn't going to be too difficult. Um, we've got some really desperate ones, uh, and we've got some people who will uh, work for uh, very little ectoplasm. Um, now, on the other hand, uh, we're not going to be able to get Linda Blair that's who it is. Yeah, Linda Blair. Um, she is involved in a uh, an indie production in New Zealand for the next 18 months, and uh, she's not interested in trying to do that uh, flight back and forth to do this film. Um, however, we can get Melissa Rauch, uh, Rauch from uh, The Big Bang Theory, uh, the, the chesty blonde girl, and I think that's going to put some butts in seats. Um, she's really, really cheap, because she just turned out this bomb called The Bronze, um, in which she plays some kind of down-and-out uh, former Olympian, and that went no place. And so she is desperate to get her career back on track. And something with some meat like this, something with the kind of a, that interesting sort of exorcism kind of point of view, uh, I, she's going to snap that right up. Um, we, uh, we can also uh, possibly get, uh, we're not going to get Zoe Saldana, I don't, I don't know what planet you guys are living on, but we cannot afford Zoe Saldana. Uh, I, we've got uh, Kiki Palmer uh, from Screen Queens uh, lined up, and she's like a young Zoe Saldana. Um, she uh, has a lot of spirit, a lot of spunk, and I think she'll do very well. Also, she can do a killer southern accent. Um, and one coup that I did get, I was at a party, um, managed to talk to Robert Hayes uh, from the original Airplane movie and he knows about being a failed pilot so I think we need to put him in, in the background someplace have him have a cameo uh, that'll sort of reinforce that, that story about the pilot who crashes and has to get back on that horse or in this case plane again uh, so I think uh, Melissa Rauch uh, uh, Robert Hayes uh, Kiki Palmer were off to a really good start um, and, and I, I you know I think from here, your story sounds robust, your setting is great, uh, it's going to be easy to go down to uh, Atlanta and shoot this uh, in a you know, park someplace or in a natural setting, uh, and, and then use the Atlanta background as well. So mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think we're set to go, it shouldn't be too expensive. What's the budget? Uh, the budget's just going to be $20 million. Uh, not a lot of special effects, that's why I have to use real ghosts. Uh, we can't afford the green screen time. Um, that will involve night shooting because they don't turn up well during the, the middle of the day. But, you know, uh, that's not too bad. Uh, second shift uh, gets you more engineers and stuff out of the local community, and they're a lot cheaper. You do know how Ghostbusters was made, right? Like, 
You know what? Never mind. But the real ghosts. Then. Okay. Never mind. I, I I don't I don't pay attention to other people's work. It didn't come out of my studio. I don't care. All right. So there we have it. Uh, the first round. Back to our writer. You've had some input from the director. You've had some uh, input from the producer and been given a budget. So you got some ability to tweak, add things, you know, your cast. Uh, how do you tweak this movie to make it successful? You know, I, I really like this introduction of Robert Hayes. I think we can write him in as the nostalgic voice inside the airplane pilot's head, reminding her of what was and sort of making her hold on to the past. I think that really adds this beautiful, gut-wrenching element to the story, but also a little bit of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's amazing. Uh, Kiki Palmer. Everybody loves Kiki Palmer. Mm-hmm. She's big. She's getting big. Yeah. yeah. She she knows her stuff. Uh, the Route Girl. You know, I just, I never envisioned when I wrote this script that a chesty blonde would play my mother. But you know what? I have to tell you, I love it. I usually don't agree with she's producers. Got range. She's, got, she's range. got she does have range. She does have range. And you know, God bless her, but I just I love a talent that can really uh, take something that they're not traditionally cast in and just turn it turn it out. She can I think she could really do it. Um, and then the the discovery at the end could could be about discovering sort of depth inside oneself. And I think that uh, the Rouch girl would really really sell that i think she might be more dialogue driven even than i originally thought because yeah i mean she delivers her lines superiorly while in big bang theory Mm -hmm. i've never had any complaints anything else to add before we hand it off to the director you know the changes or tweaks you want to make i think i think that i'd really like it if we could have some dream sequences in swahili Mm -hmm. i think that would really add a lot of like spiritual emphasis to the film. You mean ghosts? All right, director, you have your budget, you have your uh, cast, tweak mm-hmm. cast. How do you how do you run with this? How's filming going to commence? Okay, a couple of things. First off, um, for the look of it, I'm thinking totally uh, no country for old men. Mm-hmm. You know, just lots of sweeping uh, landscape shots, uh, no soundtrack. So you know, kind of have the wind be the soundtrack. You know what I mean? problem is, um, which is what I've been kind of thinking, you know, as we're shooting and, um, you know, it's not too late to add some things at because I feel like, you know, no country with old, for old men, there was, you know, kind of a ticking clock element. This, this kind of doesn't feel like, you know, there's any like ticking clock, you know what I mean? Uh, like they're having self-discovery and dreams and learning about each other's, but you know, like it feels like, you know, why do it now? You know, you gotta, something to, give it pressure. So I'm thinking um, maybe, and this could be easily worked into what we've shot so far, um, what if there's like, I don't know, like a senator or a mayor? I don't know. Someone really important who needs this exorcism done. Um, and, you know, she's the only, she has to prove, you know, people don't think she's going to be able to do it. No one takes her seriously. And so she needs to find the courage within herself, too, to be able to perform this exorcism. Oh! And um, what really wouldn't make it is if the exorcism was someone not from the South. So mm-hmm. she has to face her own, like, biases against it. Um, you know, it could be just standard old guy, I don't know, uh, Mark Hamill. You know, he's kind of, I mean, if his screen time in episode 8 is as long as episode 7, he should have plenty of free time to film stuff. Um, so yeah, that's a uh, guy from the North who is in the South. 
visiting, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that can be the thing, you know, the goal, why she needs to get her act together much quicker. Um, dream sequences totally can work. Uh, have that in Swahili. Uh, I don't want to offend people, though. To th I don't want people to think that the ghosts, because they're ghosts, that makes them Swahili. You know what I mean? Or You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, make people associate foreignness with ghostiness. Um, so, but I think... Other than that, you know, we can kind of keep, you know, keep things really subdued. This is a thinking man's movie, I feel. What about French, then? French? Yeah. I could do it in French. Uh, Swahili? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've already shot some of the Swahili things, but, you know, we can dub over that with French. Mm. Um, I don't think anyone will notice. So, I think we're fine there. Um, we should be able to get this done in a couple months. Uh... You know, we found this one really long field, so if we shoot it from enough angles, it'll look like they're going on a journey. So I think we're good. So Mark Hamill's your senator or mayor character? Yeah. Okay. He, he only needs one day of shooting just in his bed, like, all right, oh, the demons need to get out of me, you know. Shouldn't That's not take... very southern. I thought you were supposed to be northern. I'm not the actor here, okay? okay? Just making sure. All right, producer, you've had, you had another actor or character added. Uh... Yeah, no. Mark Hamill, so where do you go from here? Well, we tried to get Mark Hamill. Um, he's way too busy voicing the Joker in a series of Batman uh, movies, so... I thought he was retired. Uh, no, well, you know, you're never retired. That's always just an angle to get more money. Uh, but we do have somebody, and we have somebody who's going to make this film work, um, and that's Peter Dinklage as the senator. Um, he did play the president, so... Well... And he's not, he's not alone. He's, he's a great movie machine regular. Right? Yeah. And he's, gonna, he's not alone uh, all the way from Avalon, from, from overseas. We're getting Warwick Davis. So he's going to have Dinklage as a senator. Uh, Davis is going to be his assistant. And he's a corrupt assistant. Um, so this wasn't my idea. This was brought in by marketing. Marketing test uh, shot or test uh, showed some of the films. Uh, what we really got, for, especially from the crowd in Chicago, is this needs uh, more little people, uh, and it needs them to have substantive roles. When we introduced that idea, boom, the chart, it just went right off the charts. They were like, this needs to happen. So we talked to Dinklage, we talked to Davis, we talked to their agents. Uh, they're available, and so they're going to be in Atlanta for uh, the reshoot of some of the scenes that were supposed to have Hamill. Um, uh, aside from that, uh, because of this, budgets got pushed out a little bit. It's at $35 million right now. Uh, we think we'll make that back because we've got the overseas uh, talent now, and we're going to have a secondary market in Europe. Uh, so we're confident we'll get that money back. So anything else you want to add or, or change? Well, producer? you know... Or we send it off to the world to see we're bringing, we're bringing in We're bringing in ghosts for this movie, and um, that... that lends a certain sadness and a certain uh, sort of grief to the film and so to counter that uh, we want to do an opening cartoon uh, like they used to do for films back in the beginning of so the kids they'll come in and we're going to have like Lilo and Stitch or maybe that, that squirrel from that Ice Age movie uh, something like that just to kind of lift the spirits of the audience literally lift the spirits if they've got uh, ghosts in the theater. Um, 
so that when they go into this movie, their hearts are lighter, and that way, as the ghosts are appearing, people aren't brought down as much. So that's going to bump out the, the run time to about two and a half hours. Is that going to be part of the film, or is this a short before the film starts? You know, it's just intended as a short. Uh, honestly, my wife's got a nephew who does animation, uh, and I thought this might be an opportunity for him to showcase his considerable talents. Uh, he can do things with flipbooks that you've just never seen done with a computer. So that's, that's where we're going with this one. All right, so I input the data into the uh, movie machine, see how your film on the way down has done. So uh, there was a couple variables the machine had a hard time calculating, like there isn't actually anything as ghosts. Remember, I was a bunch of you will silly Hollywood kooks in your Gwyneth Paltrow seaweed enema cleanses think there are ghosts. There are no actual ghosts. I thought ghosts. the CGI department was handling that. But, but you guys wanted actual ghosts. He and wanted actual ghosts. No, that, that was you. Oh. Yeah, so <laughs> um, that was weird. So it was a lot of actors staring at things and pretending they're ghosts. Uh, so, so people were confused by that. The uh, flipbook animation at the end uh, was, or at the beginning, was widely mocked on the internet as just something wildly out of place and amateurish at best. They wondered how it got funding. Uh, someone said it's almost like someone owed the dude a favor or something. Who knows? He got students to work on it, though. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that money critics wonder is you have Peter English and Warwick Davis. Well, Warwick Davis has had some notable roles. He's mm -hmm. not really a fantastic actor. He really does his best when he's covered in a suit and just mostly making noises and flinging his arms about. But Peter Dinklage, who is a tremendous actor, all he does is lay in the bed and go, so everyone felt like shouldn't work. Davis had been in the bed, and Dinklage should have been the assistant, really showing that acting acumen he has. So a lot of people were confused, you know, like, you had, you know, Everyone's down for more little people in movies, but they thought, why didn't Warwick Davis play the less involved role and the actual really good actor play the meaty villain role? So Warwick Davis gives his best shot. He's a consummate professional. He doesn't, doesn't quite execute. So the movie falls a little flat. It, it does well. It finishes third in the box office in the first weekend, and then it just kind of disappears. It makes about $20 million in box office. And Peter Zong, it doesn't really lose the studio money, but it doesn't really make anyone happy either. It just kind of enters that five years from now, everyone forgets the movie. It's just kind of like a, yeah. How does it do in the secondary market? It does okay, but it's just like people aren't sure why they should care about exorcisms in the South United States. It doesn't have that much appeal. Like if it was in the Wild West or something, then the, the, the secondary market would have... It didn't perform poorly, but it didn't do well. It was just kind of a, it was perfectly mediocre. So it got 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. And, you know, so, and, and none, none, none of the reviews were, no one felt very strongly. None of the positive reviews were overwhelmingly positive, And none of the negative reviews were overwhelmingly negative. They're just like, they tried to make a good movie. They didn't, but they tried. Yeah. You know, so there you have it. So going back to our writer, knowing how your movie did, you now have uh, two minutes mm -hmm. to maybe make some tweaks to make this a more memorable film. Well, I appreciate your note about uh, Warwick and Peter, but I just, I, I, 
this is one of those times where I just have to fundamentally disagree with the audience here. I mean, Warwick is very strong to me. He's amazing. So in order to punch that up a little bit, I think we might also give him some exorcism powers. I think he'd make a fantastic exorcist. And in terms of having him covered from head to toe in something, well, what's better than, than vomit, honestly? I mean, if anyone can sell it, it's, it's definitely him. Um, so yeah, I think if we introduce this other element of a competitive male exorcist who is also biased, but against people from the South, and he tries to convince uh, Dinklage, who will give more dialogue, that's totally fine, I trust Peter, we're cool, um, not to go down South. I, I just, I think we've got gold here. I think we could really run with that. Um, other ways to punch it up? Maybe have Robert Hayes appear as a ghost as well. You know, we've got that extra cameo. We can give him more dialogue. I really think he's an incredible actor and he can really take my words and make them something. You know, I just have that feeling about him. I get, I get it when I look at his face. I get it when I look at the airplane movies. Again, bringing back that sense of nostalgia. You know, having it be a, a, a late motif, if you will. There's a, there's a common saying in my group therapy, and it is, if you try and fail, you've succeeded at trying. And, and that's, that's what I have to say about the first round of, of writing for this film, and I, I just can't wait to uh, get my hands on it again and go for another try. All right, Director Ben, how do you save your film forgettable mediocrity. Okay, first off, I have to disagree with your statement. If you fail, you fail, and you are a loser. Okay, so I also want to say, I do not give a rat's patootie. I, can I swear I'll say rat's patootie about if people like my movie or not? I want some money. So, you know what? I'm going to admit it. Let's do some pandering, okay? Pandering to different demographics to get more people to watch our movie. First off, we're doing a lot of stuff in the South. Uh, I think we need some real, just add more Southern pandering, you know? really show how great the South is and how you should come visit, you know, Mississippi and all the tourist attractions that are there. Uh, really show and, you know, maybe play up how, you know, maybe the Northern guy doesn't understand Southern values, you know, just kind of pull in some of those kind of people to see the movie. Chinese market, that's really big. Uh, this will require some ADRing, but maybe uh, the methods that she uses is Chinese exorcism. Um, we can maybe throw in a line about that, you know, just to sort of show, you know, we understand your Chinese beliefs, you know, you have all these ghost myths, I assume. I mean, every culture has ghost myths or spiritual, if they want to change it to that. But, um, you know, pull in some of that so they'll, they'll become bigger in there, get more Chinese recognition there. And yeah, you know, pull, really pull in, you know, Southern vibes, play to Southern paranoia. Uh, I don't need to explain what those are because I think you know. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, throw in some of that stuff, you know, really get kind of some people who to see the movie who will like any movie no matter what and I think we'll you know get some of that uh uh you know th those little green bills more for the film and that's really what all comes down to this is a business this is an art all right producer can I drop this mic can, no, can I no. can I, okay it's too expensive. so producer you, you, your writer and director have made some tweaks uh how are you going to make this movie actually pay uh, well, we're going to do a couple things. Uh, we're bringing in uh, Karen Gillan, and she is going to film some uh, scenes that are going to be inserted uh, with CGI of the other actors. Um, so uh, that way we can add an additional story thread about a mystery that takes place during the Chinese New Year. And then we're going to cut in, uh, to get the Chinese market, one of those Chinese dragon parades. 
and there's going to be a chase scene through the Chinese Dragon Parade um, with Karen Gillan. Um, and I think that that's going to help tie together some of the thematic elements uh, of the South uh, with uh, the exorcism that's going to be done in the Chinese fashion now. Uh, I understand the CGI people are not going to have a problem uh, changing some of those elements, uh, putting them in a coolie hat, uh, putting them in uh, uh, other uh, things like a, like a, one of those saris, except they're Chinese. I don't remember what they're called. Um, so it shouldn't be too expensive. Um, I think that we can really... Uh, guild this lily and um, really make the money back in the secondary market uh, in the Far East. Um, I, I think the idea of pandering to the South is magnificent. Uh, we do have a scene where Warwick Davis uh, eats his last meal, uh, which is going to be grits, um, and they'll be spoon-fed to him by his assistant, who is of course poisoning them. Uh, so his assistant does him in because he's corrupt. Um, uh, we've taken the advice, we're going to switch the uh, Davis and uh, um, uh, uh, the uh, Dinklage roles, uh, and I think that's really going to sell it. And um, then we're going to uh, probably insert, during the chase scene, they're going to run through a topless sorority, and that's going to get the teenage market. So I, I think, you know, we're going to really uh, knock this one out of the park. Uh, I, I'm confident that this movie, once it's been revised, will really make a fortune in when it goes to DVD. So. All right. So with your changes, <laughs> this movie has gone from forgettable <laughs> mediocrity to unforgettable dumpster fire. <laughs> um, this movie is lambasted and mocked along the lines of Troll 2. But if Troll 2 had a big Hollywood marketing budget behind it, it's put on every theater, people go to see it, cosplays start happening of random characters, not because they like the characters, <laughs> but because they like making fun of the movie. It does not make tons of money in theaters, but Damn it! the secondary market DVD Blu-ray explodes. It's one of the most pirated movies on torrents. In the world for a three-month period. This is why they bring which, me in. Which people claim is successful. Somehow makes the movie successful. It means lots of people see it. Uh, and I just think, I just want to say, I think your mom would be really proud. And, and the, the real money team. comes in uh, when you you license the uh, the rights to the movie to the Alderock Entertainment Group or AEG, who makes a uh, board game based on the movie, and uh, it's a pretty innovative, great board game that also involves people acting out scenes in the movie and becomes all the rage. Uh, it's the high point of Will Wheaton's uh, Tabletop Season 4, uh, where they actually get Peter Dinklage on the show playing the game, and he acts out scenes from the movie. So somehow, by making one of the worst movies in the last 10 years, you guys have made a lot of money out of it because it's the whole Sharknado theorem. Mm -hmm. Like, if you make it bad enough, it will actually make money. So, congratulations, you somehow made Sharknado without <laughs> making Sharknado. Uh, that, that's quite an accomplishment, and I'm sorry, Peter Dinklage, that we treated your good name in this way. He's, he's uh, been in worse. So, before we wrap it up, we'll leave with the words of wisdom from our patron saint, Guy Fieri. I'm a five-season griller. Did you know I added a new season? Living in Cali, I'm cooking in the yard all the time. I don't care what the weather is like. 
my hair is impervious to any kind of dampness, so I don't have too much to worry about. Thank you.